It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Good afternoon. Happy Leap Day, everybody. There goes my alarm clock. Let me know that, hey, if you're not on the air right now, mister, well, you better get there real quick because it is high noon. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Hope everybody's enjoying this great gift we get every four years, which is Leap Day, meaning in leap years, which this is, because the Earth goes around the sun 365 and one quarter days, and the powers that be thought, rightfully so, that it would be easier instead of celebrating New Year's at, what, 6 in the morning on January 1st, and that would, you know, confuse things, that every fourth year in the shortest month we would add a 29th day to the month of February. So happy Leap Day and happy Thursday, everybody. We appreciate you being with us here today, and thanks for joining us on Lunchtime in Athens. Chris Rogers is our network studio producer. My name is Jeff Dantzler, and hello wherever you may be listening in from across the great state of Georgia. Let's talk down into central Georgia. We got Macon. We got Montezuma. We got Perry. We got Fort Valley. And, of course, we got Warner Robins. Hey, that's the home of Mr. Chris Rogers. Down into deep south Georgia, Waycross, home of the great Bill Shanks, Blackshear, Pinehurst, Rochelle, Eastman, Cochran, Hawkinsville, Tifton, Ashburn, Cordell, and Unadilla, and all our friends on the coast, Wilmington Island, Tybee Light, Savannah, GA, Brunswick, the beautiful Golden Isles, St. Simons, Jekyll Island, Sea Island. Hello to you, Mr. Ray. You driving around out there to the 912, the 478, and the 229 from the 706 Along with Chris Rogers, our superb producer, my name is Jeff Dancer. The phone numbers, if you'd like to join us, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. Shoot me a tweet. Let me know where you're listening from. And we've had listeners from Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, Texas, Arizona, California, Portland, Seattle, up north, Chicago, PA, New York City, Boston, Mass, Vermont, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., this show, The Bill Shank Show. All of our interviews, simply go to thesuperstations.com. It's a cinch to download and stream. And as I always emphasize, if I can do it, so can you. Hey, my mom, she streams the show down in Statesboro, GA, my dad and Patty. They'll either stream it or listen in on 104.3 like my Uncle Joe. Larry and Sharon, I don't know if they're in St. Simons or if they're in Milledgeville, but either way, I know that they are listening in today. Enjoying a leap day, everybody. So it's the final day of February, and it's one of those things, and I guess it is you know, statistically a fact that the older you get, the faster the time goes by. Because you think about when you're 10 years old, a month is a much larger percentage of your life. Whereas when you're an old man like me at age 51, you know, a month, eh, heard somebody say months go by now the, the way weeks used to, and I agree with that. And this is a very fun time for college athletics here at the University of Georgia. As you've heard us say many times there are 14 University of Georgia teams competing right now. And that goes for this weekend. There's a whole bunch going on, and it starts up tonight. The Lady Dogs taking on the reigning national champion, LSU Bengal Tigers. Now, here's one for scheduling for you. The Georgia men lost that heartbreaker in Baton Rouge on Tuesday night. 
Again, that game was in Louisiana, which is in the central time zone. It tipped off at 7 East, 6 Central. Uh, The game tonight, women's basketball, played in Athens, Georgia, which is the eastern time zone, will tip off at 9 o'clock tonight, 8 o'clock Central. Go figure. That's too late. And I get it, TV. I get it. You're trying to fill programming. But at the same time, it's going to be a tough draw on a weekday night when you tip off at 9 o'clock. That's just going to be a tough draw. And I have learned when I started dating my wife, Emily, that, and she's a school teacher, so she's got a grown-ups job, that so much of it is it's not when you get to a game, but when you get home. And good gosh, I know this sounds like old man yells at cloud, but I get it for kids. Heck, for me, that the men had that 9 o'clock tip-off at South Carolina last month. I had a hard time keeping my eyes open. You shouldn't tip. I, I, I think 7 is the latest, but at the very latest, 8 o'clock local time. But whatever. So join us tonight, little late-night Lady Dogs action. I got a suit that I'm wearing in honor of a late friend of mine. It was one of his suits that his beautiful wife, Lauren, sent me. Had to get it retailored just a little bit, but it's a sweet right out of New York City, red and black pinstripe. And I've got some nice-looking red drivers to go with it. So I'm going to try and match Kim Mulkey tonight. Uh, Georgia baseball lost for the first time this season last night. And Michigan State scored 16 of their 19 runs. They got 19 runs with two outs. Uh, so Georgia now 8-1, and one, taking on Tech this weekend. Friday, Russ Chandler Stadium, weather pending. High 47, low 41 with a lot of rain. Here in Athens on Saturday, Cool Ray Field on Sunday. More on that later. I think this is the end of the the three spots. It's run its course. And playing the game at the neutral site when the Braves didn't want us at Truist Park. Now, we used to play down at Turner Field. It was way better. Now, we got to find a way to take care of Children's Health Care of Atlanta. They're amazing. Just an incredible organization. Strong legs will run so that weak legs may walk. So, we got to find a way to do that. And I would imagine what we'll see is over the next couple of years simply playing a three-game series one year at Russ Chandler, a three-game series one year at Foley Field. And, hey, if we decided to do a fourth, if the Braves would graciously let Georgia and Tech into their cathedral for one night to have a monster crowd to benefit Children's Health Care of Atlanta, I think that would be a nice thing. If not, just play the three and give a portion of the gates to Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Because part of the problem we're running into, like if we get rained out tomorrow, it's going to be hard to find a date to make that game up later in the year because it would be when Texas and ACC play, Georgia's and SEC play. And most weeks you've already got a midweek game lined up. And Tech does not want to come to Athens to play a doubleheader on Saturday. And neither team wants to play a doubleheader at Cool Ray on Sunday. So, again, just not the same as playing in the big league ballpark. Plus, both teams are on the buses twice. Over a two-year period, you get two home games against your arch rival. If they went to the three at Russ Chandler one year, three at Foley the next, you'd get three games at home 
over a two-year period. I think that's a direction we're heading. This was a good idea. I do like playing the three games before SEC play because you are seeing the front-line pitching. But maybe we try something different starting next year. And you're also – the weather's always a factor, but this time of year it's a bit of an extra factor there. Uh, so, again, lost for the first time last night. Charlie Condon hit three home runs in his first three at-bats. He hit a bomb to dead center. He hit a gargantuan blast into the parking lot over the left field wall, and then he hit one over the right field wall. He's got seven home runs now. Did not hold this is George's ninth game. He didn't home run the first three games when he was batting 700 and taking a lot of walks, and I still predict he's going to lead the league in walks. But seven home runs in George's last six games. He's amazing. Now, what happened last night? Uh, George's coach, Wes Johnson. I love Coach Johnson. The plan was to use a lot of pitchers and a lot of freshmen who have not gotten to pitch yet. We're in a stretch now of 11 games in 13 days, which is a ton. I mean a ton. So the plan was to use a lot of guys for about one inning, and that's when on, what went on. you got to find out you know, a good sample size. Coach Donnan used to always say, how are you going to do when the band's playing? you got to find out who's ready and who's not. And several of the arms we saw last night, they're just not ready yet, and they're probably going to red shirt. And it's all right because what you don't want to do is when you get into SEC play, which begins in week five. So we got Tech this weekend. Uh, there was a scheduling snafu. we got Northern Colorado the next weekend, and then SEC play begins. And it is a 10-week grind, 30 games. When you get into league play, you cannot be in the midst of tryouts you got to know who your guys are, especially on the mound, especially on the mound. So give Michigan State credit. They played great last night, came down and won. And uh, for the Dogs, again, just the first loss in nine games. And let's see how Georgia does against Tech tomorrow at Rush Chandler Stadium. And another thing, too, this is the way the scheduling went. Has anybody ever tried to go to an athletic event on a weekday at Tech, basketball or baseball, getting literally through the teeth of Atlanta traffic. So Dave Johnson and I are leaving here at one thirty. Hopefully we'll make first pitch. So as soon as the show's over tomorrow, I'm picking up DJ, and we are southwest bound and down to the flats. Fingers crossed for the weather and the traffic. And you know what the mighty Munson loved? Weather. That man loved talking about the weather. Uh, but appreciate it if you got to listen to us on the Superstations last night. We do greatly appreciate it. So I thought a good theme for the day and the Twitter, at Jeff Dantzler TV. With today being Leap Day, that gift of the extra day once every four years, how about a little extra time talk? How would you like to see playoffs Overtimes, extra times, sudden deaths in all the sports. How would you like to see them changed or altered? And what are some that you like? I'd like to hear from you. You know the phone numbers, 478-646-3776, and you can tweet us at Jeff Tansler TV. Another question thrown out there. Do you know anybody whose birthday is today? Uh, Luke Ned Carney, who's a producer on the Bulldog Network and has been a guest on this show, 
talking some NFL. Luke's got a friend that was born today. So he's technically, I think he said he's five. So he's 20. Yeah, if your birthday's today, you, you literally, let's say if you were born on February, like my, my, I was in 1972. I was a leap year baby. So if I would have been born on instead of August 26th, there's a hint for my birthday. If anybody wants to tweet me happy birthday, I'm past my half birthday. So if I was born on February 29th, 1972, uh, that would be what's 52 divided. I would be 13 today. 13 is an awkward year. Anyways, sorry about that. I just woke Hermie up. She's sleeping next to me and Albus is in the other room, my assistant. Sorry about that, Hermie. Had to run Hermie to the vet yesterday. Her, her front left paw was giving her a little bit of trouble. And didn't know if she had maybe had something in there, like got gotten a thorn, or if she had a cut or an infection. For a while, she was just going on three legs. And the vet said she was just the sweetest girl, which she is. And she was A-OK -okay after that. No cuts, nothing. So my theory is she had something stuck in there, and she worked it out. Have you ever gotten, if you've been down to the beach, and I know there's some in the fields near the beach, those sand spurs, my goodness. You talk about something that would be a, a great, like having a moat, like having a, a great guard for your enemies. Just roll those things out. You step on those boggers, and holy smokes. So we went through the edge of this field, and Hermie must have had about 15 on her. And Emily and I are trying to pull them off, and we're sticking ourselves with them, and it's hurting like crazy. And she had two up in her paw, and I thought, well, that's it. We just got to go to Island Vet, and they're going to have to find a way to pull them out. But she kind of pulled away, got down there by herself, and worked them out. So she was tough. Never underestimate the capabilities of our fur babies. So I love having Albus and Hermes sitting with me. Here today. Uh, we do this for Georgia baseball, by the way. Send us pictures of your dogs. Thank you. We'd love to see yeah. that. And we got over the weekend, I bet we had around a dozen canine and kitty photos. And my friends, the Bigsby's here in Athens, they've got goats and donkeys and horses and cows and pigs. So send them in. Andy, I'm with you as well. So let's talk uh, extra time, overtime, extra innings, OT, all that good stuff, playoffs. What would you like to see added as we celebrate Leap Day? I guess every four years, a great lead into St. Patrick's Day, which, of course, is very famous in Savannah, GA. And Bill Shanks was at Coach's Corner yesterday. Way to go, Bill. All right. Let's run into a timeout. Chris Rogers is back at Mission Control doing his usual great work. So tonight here on the Superstation, we have the Hawks and the Nets and then the Lady Dogs and LSU. We'll see if George's radio man can possibly match legendary LSU coach Kim Mulkey when it comes to dressing flair. It's an uphill battle, to say the least. It is a Thursday afternoon in America's greatest college town. Along with Chris Rogers, I'm Jeff Dantzler. Thank you for listening to the Superstations. Your love now batting Gordon Beckham. Oh, man. What's happening, everybody? Love to hear from you here today. By the way, one of the big standouts for LSU tonight is the Lady Dogs taking on big giant six foot six center 
Angel Reese. It'll be a lot of fun tonight. Hey, I like taking on the elite. That's great. See if the Lady Dogs might have a little magic up their sleeves tonight. Play them close. Nearly pulled off an upset down in Baton Rouge last year. All right, uh, let us know where you're listening from. Talking overtimes and extra times. I wanted to go through some things. I'm going to talk some golf, of course. And got talking on some golf history yesterday and really enjoyed it. As I said a couple nights ago after baseball, I was watching that magnificent piece, Jack, that the Golf Channel did, the one Arnie is lights out. And just going through his different accolades, they're amazing, and different ones jump out to you at different days. But here's one. Nicholas finished in the top ten in at least one major championship for 24 consecutive years. Now, I want you to think about that for a second because you're talking about 1960 through 1983. So basically the 1960 U.S. Open when he had the near miss. Uh, speaking of another tremendous documentary, I think HBO did this one. It was called The Back Nine at Cherry Hills. And the confluence at one point, first, second, and third, was Palmer, Nicholas, and Hogan. It was the end of Hogan's career, Palmer in his prime, and a young Nicholas who had won the U.S. Amateur the year before and who had won it again the year after. Nicholas, by the way, 73 career top tens in majors. I'd say that's pretty safe. Next most, Sam Snead, 48. Tom Watson, 46. Two of the all-time greats. 24 straight years with at least one top ten in a major. 1983, he was runner-up to Hal Sutton at the PGA. That's amazing. He won a major in 13 different years. That's a record. Won two in five different years. This is pretty cool. He won the Masters and each of the other majors in a year. So he won the Masters in the British at Muirfield in 66. He won at Augusta in the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach in 72. And twice, he won the Masters in the PGA in the same year. He won the PGA in Dallas in 1963. It was played a week after the British Open. And this is, talks about the, the strength of Nicholas. He, he had a score keeping snafu, keeping track with things, and instead of it just crushing him, he said, I'm not going to let it happen again. And he goes from the cold of the open to the heat of Dallas and won. And then in 1975, he won at Firestone. Nicholas also won the U.S. and the PGA in 1980. He remains the last person to win the Masters in the PGA in the same year. And again, with a monkeying around with a schedule and moving the PGA to the second major in May now, yeah. They've really messed it up. There's such a build-up to the Masters. You kind of needed that break, some other good tournaments in between, and then the U.S. Open. Then there was one each month. Boom, boom, boom. They just forced things and messed it up, and I still think that's led to some of the problems, the disjointedness with golf now. But anyway, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? 24 straight years with at least one top ten. Okay, we are talking about extra time here on this extra day. And before we dive into that, our friend Jeremy wants to join us from Memphis. Jeremy, good afternoon to you, sir. Good morning to you out in Memphis, and welcome to Lunchtime in Athens. 
How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Jeff, been doing great. I want to talk baseball with you, okay. man. Um, so just a few things. First of all, I'll talk about the pitching in a minute, but Paul Tate's is a mystery to me because he's in 500 and limited at-bats. And, and so just a lineup situation here. I'm not saying take Slate out of the lineup. He's in 325. Of course, you take away the first three games, I think he's probably hitting in the 200. He has cooled some. But the way Tate's is such a great contact hitter, I think he needs to be leading off. You could put him behind Conda to protect him. But mm-hmm. but Tate's is a great contact hitter that spreads the ball around. And I would love to see him at the leadoff spot. And I hope he gets more playing time. Every time he plays, Jeff, he hits. It's crazy. No, I like Tate. He's a transfer from Purdue. And, and again, I, you're going to see all this settle out. Jeremy, and one of the things that Coach Johnson talked about before the season, he told Dave Johnson and me this, you're going to see through those first couple of weeks a lot of different players at a lot of different spots trying to get that feel because, as you know, Jeremy, you followed it a long time, can't be having tryouts once conference play starts there. But I think you're going to see more of Tate's. I like him. I like Alford, too. And By the way, Trey Phelps, a freshman, is swinging a good bat as well. So there are a lot of options and a lot of versatility out there. But I'm with you on Tate's. I think he's really good. And then Corey Collins. I hope he doesn't give up him. He's hit 125. He's got eight at bats. But you talk about plays appearances. Think he's got 15. He's walked seven times. You talk about a great batter's eye. He really does a good job of, of finding the pitch to hit. And I think he needs to be playing a lot more too. But I think this guy can hit. And so he's got a lot of situations to figure out. But one thing I do like he does move people around the multiple positions to get people on the field. Mm-hmm. McCall's is another guy. I think he's hitting 125, but he's a lot better hitter than that. And I. I think he should be out there a lot more, too. So, Corey, th- this is so bizarre. He got his first hit last night. It was a little bloop single. In typical baseball, he had hit one on the nose a time before right to the left fielder. You said he's got seven walks and a hit-by-pitch. Not two. I think he's got two hit-by-pitches. His on-base percentage is like 590, and he's hitting 125. It's, it's early in the year you get some of those bizarre numbers. And all of those guys are going to contribute. And – uh, you know, the, the big thing last night, Jeremy, as we talked about, you know this, you, you had to get some of these young guys out there, one, to, to see who's ready, and I think just as important to see who's not ready yet, and not to say they're not going to pitch anymore this season, but we got Tech this weekend, then kind of one more week of the, the, the auditions there, and then it really, really gets going uh, a, a guy we definitely have to get going and, and, and Wes has talked about this I love Wes but it's Chandler Marsh you know we, we need that consistency whatever his role is but Marsh is a guy we've got to have help us yeah I agree he, he couldn't find the strike zone last night but I, I'll tell you speaking of getting guys experience so and I, I think I heard Dave Johnson say this that, that when they were at LSU that Wes and them decided not to play not to do the run rule because they weren't getting guys playing time, it, it, mm-hmm. I think they maybe did that. And and my thing is, I'm okay with the run rule sometimes, but early in the year, Jeff, like, these, I think I think our first few games, we have three or four run rolls, seven innings, I think with eight inning run roll game. When you do that, these pitchers, these freshmen, probably would have pitched in those games, but it takes away chance for them to pitch. And so it's a catch-22. Yeah, you know, it is, it is a blowout. But that's when those pitchers, and I think Wes, um, Wes has that mentality too, and then, Last night on the post game, when y'all talked to him, it sounds like he's not a very big fan of this weekend series. And I'll say this: I think if you're going to do the weekend series, it's either got to start and end in Athens. Like it goes to Athens Friday. 
and then Saturday at Tech and Sunday at Cool Ray. Or yeah, we're, let, let me just catch up. This the the three different spots is done. I don't like it. It, it, it's run its course. I get it when it started. There, there are just so many issues. Both teams are on a bus for two trips. Uh, we, we've got some rain issues possibly tomorrow. When would you make the game up? It's like Tech ain't going to come play two here. Neither team wants to play two on Sunday at Cool Ray. So I think we're all on board with this. When it all started out, it was okay. And let's face it, too, when the game moved from Turner Field and the Braves apparently said no-go at Truist Park, that took a lot of luster away from it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And before I ask about pitching, I think I saw talking about schedule too. Are we just playing Clemson one time this year? Was like, we usually get a home so. away or playing? A- yeah, I I, I don't I, know what's up with that. And I, I have no way. idea. I don't know if they just couldn't find a a day for the return date. And by the way, just a peek behind the curtains with kind of phase two of Foley Field next year there's a pretty good chance we're going to be starting on the road the next couple of weeks because hopefully it's after a super regional victory and we're on our way to Omaha. But as soon as the last game is played at Foley Field this year, there's going to be more shovels in the dirt there. So we're probably going to start on the road next year. I would guess maybe go to a couple of those tournaments out in Texas. And so I think next year's schedule might not necessarily give you an idea of how we want it to look every year moving on there. But I definitely think with the Tech Series, we, we got to play the three at Russ Chandler or three at Foley Field. Yeah, and then and then um, as far as as far as far pitching goes, now I, I think Wes is smart in this too, because I think he mentioned this. He likes to get as many non-conference games early before conference starts. Right. Because if you look at the last three weeks, Jeff, when you don't play mid- midweek, you have all pitchers on there for the weekend like, a, like a Jarvis Evans. And so he did a good job of that. Um, but it, because it looks like the last three weeks we don't have any non-conference games, which is great. But until then, I'm a little worried about this pitching, and I'm a little worried about the bullpen on the weekend. But it looks like DeVito's done well out of the bullpen. Zeldin's mm-hmm. done well. And Patty Sack, you can count on those yep. three. And maybe who are a couple other guys out of the bullpen you think you can count on the weekend right now to pitch well? I, I know he got hit last night. Uh, a funny thing happened with an air. I think Zach Harris has got some potential. And, again, I'm going to go with Marsh. I really think he's a guy that Georgia has got to have. I mean, this is a guy who was 4-1 as a freshman. And whether it's as a starter, as a setup man, or as a reliever, I think he's a guy who can really fill out that staff. And, you know, to your point, too, about not having those midweekers late in the year, uh, you know, is the is Jarvis Evans going to work in that weekend rotation? Is Colton Smith going to jump in there? Uh, because I, I think we like Goldstein, we like Finley, and uh, Maracna, who was a reliever at George Mason. Uh, he's been the Saturday starter there. So I, I think you, you've definitely got some good options for those spots there. Uh, but but I, to me, and I know I just keep coming back to this, I think Marsh could be that difference maker, uh, and, and that's just one of those deals with, with Coach Johnson and with Marsh. we got to find the right spot for him because it, it's time. I mean, he's a big boy. He's a junior. He looks the part. He's got the stuff. We need him. Yeah, and I forgot about Colton Smith. He's looked really mm-hmm. good. I know Jerry's a little high, but – I think he kind of ran out oh, of gas. I think he was up to 70, 80 pitches in that last last appearance. Let's not forget, too, Jeremy, um, we should hopefully knock on wood in April get Matthew Hoskins back. Yeah, yeah, and that, that'll be the situation where we don't have any midweek games so we really could maybe run off some wins there. I'll tell you, Jeff, 
I'm a huge baseball fan. I really mm-hmm. want to get back to Omaha. And with some breaks this buddy. year, maybe we can because, you know, they're in the early 2000s. Yep, we're getting there all the time. It was like we kind of took it for granted, but we're getting there a lot in the early 2000s. I went four times in eight years, and I'll promise you I didn't take it for granted. But but you're right, Jeremy, and you're a great supporter. I appreciate you very much, my friend. Uh, give us a listen this weekend and do a little rain dance tomorrow. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to hear from you. Appreciate that, as always. Uh, let, let's talk a little extra time and the like. Well, while we started with baseball there, and I want to go to a tweet from our friend Andy from just down the road from me at the Georgia Center. And, Andy, I'm with you on this. I like the Major League Baseball extra inning rules. I like having the runner on second with nobody out starting in extras. I love it. I love baseball, and for the most part, I'm a purist. I'm a traditionalist. But at the same time, and listen, I love the run rule. Last night, thank God we had it. It was 19-6. to six. I'm sitting there in the seventh going, good gosh, I hope we score 14 or zero. We're ready to go. We, we, we've gotten beat tonight. Time to pack up the bats and, and get home. But I'm just telling you, a 16-17, 18-inning game, nobody's a winner. I love the rule at second. I'm with you too, Andy, on the strategy it brings in. And, and a lot of it has to do where you are in the lineup. And by the way, the rule goes the last batter of the ninth inning, or if you go to the 11th or 12th, the previous inning, is the runner at second base. Obviously, you got speed coming into play. So if you're the visiting team, and again, where are you in the lineup? Where's the other guy in the lineup? Do you swing away, figure you got three shots to get a hit and bring that run in and get another guy over? Do you go ahead and sacrifice? And then essentially there, you're playing for the one run. You can score a run by making an out then with a sacrifice fly, maybe a grand out. And that's one as well. Defensively, when you're the home team, if the visitor bunts that runner over from second to third, do you bring the infield in? I don't think so because you know you're getting your guy at second. And with the infield in, you have to hit it at you. You can cut down that runner at the same time. You don't have the angles to play. The rule of thinking is that a batter's average is going to go up around 100 points. So when one shoots through, that gives the greater opportunity for a big inning. So, again, this is some of the strategy talk. If you give up the one in the top of the 10th and you come up, do you just automatically say, oh, we got to bunt this guy over and we got to play to tie this game? Again, a lot of that depends on where you are in the lineup. Let's say Acuna's at the plate. Are you going to bunt him there? Are you going to say we got Acuna? What's the Braves lineup going to be this year? Is it going to be Acuna, Albies, Riley, one, two, three? And he's like, well, we got three guys here. We've got a pretty good shot to drive in a run, maybe get an extra base hit. If it's the bottom of the order, maybe you don't feel that good. Maybe you choose to play small ball. Discussions like this I love because I love talking baseball strategy, and there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer. But I love the rule. It moves the game along. It lessens the chances of being there all night, although the memories of Rick Camp, of of a 17-18 inning game. In baseball, it's funny. I get this in all sports, but – Sometimes you kind of get some some of that machismo. Ah, oh, we don't want to do that. We got to play it out. You never know what can happen. Well, you know what? There are a lot of games, and going fourteen, fifteen innings and killing a pitching staff and having nobody sitting in the stands. I just don't think that's a good thing. So I love the MLB rule. Thank you, Andy. For golf, 
I think all of the regular tour events should have a two-hole playoff. You could take more of a chance. And, and I think about when Harris English won at Hartford, and he – I can't even remember who was playing. It was drive down the middle. Everybody just play it safe, get it on the green. But for the Masters, the sporting event I love more than anything on this earth. It's my favorite event. How about a three-hole playoff at Amen Corner? And I know with moving fans and access, but 11, 12, and 13 – you got a par four, a par three, and a par five. Can you imagine? The British Open went to the four-hole rota. The PGA uses a three. The U.S. Open a two. I think for a major, uh, I think for the U.S., you ought to have a three-holer. Hey, if the Open wants to do four, that's great. But an amen corner playoff at the Masters, that would be awesome. Uh, speaking of the Masters, we were talking Jack in 1986. Jeff and Warner Robbins is with us, wanting to fly back in time to the 1986 Masters. Jeff, good afternoon to you, and welcome to Lunchtime in Athens. How you doing, Jeff? Doing great, buddy. What's up? Man, I'm going to tell you, I was there. And let me tell you, that was the most fantastic run of golf I've ever seen. Well, it was incredibly amazing. The the fact, too, when you think about where you're going to score on Augusta, and he scored on 13 and 15, but for him to go birdie, birdie, birdie on 9, 10, and 11, three of the most difficult holds at Augusta National, was absolutely amazing. And back then, by the way, I love the TV much better now. You, at the very least, get to see all the leaders play all 18 of their holes. But when they came on, he was just starting to make his run. And as we said, Jeff, the caliber of that field was astounding. With Ballesteros, Kite, Norman, Watson, Longer, uh, the, the similarities between 86 and 19 – are pretty darn astounding. Uh, those two are going to be hard to beat. And I know for my younger friends in their 30s who, who just loved and idolized Tiger, uh, th- that'll always be their top one. It's very, very close to me. But I, for my money, 1986 will always be number one. Oh, yeah. He went in there and he just shut them down. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he birdied the last six holes. No, he, well, he didn't quite do that, uh, but he, he got hot. He birdied 15, 16, and 17. He parred 18. He left it just short. Uh, but when, when he nearly – my favorite moment, though, and I, I still the most electric I've ever seen, was when he nearly holed out on 16 in the famous story with his son on the bags. Be right, it is. Uh, when it nearly rolled back in, that was – Woo, goosebump central. So where, where were you? Were you following anybody, or did you kind of post up on a certain hole, Jeff? Where were you? Yeah, I was sitting at number 11. Awesome. And uh, I believe he was 46 years old. Isn't he was. correct? Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, he just flat out went in there and just ruled that course. I mean, it was amazing. It was. And I, I still get a – Get some goosebumps thinking about it. Have you seen the Golf Channel piece I was talking about called Jack and, and the one called Arnie on Nicholas and Palmer? No, I haven't seen it. You need to find it. It's 
they're both unbelievable. Okay, I will. Thank you, Jeff. And, hey, what a moment. So if you could pick an extra day here on Leap Day, I guess you'd like to go back to to April of 86 and and live that one all over again. Oh, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, Jeff, go have you an egg salad sandwich. I appreciate you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, bud. Good stuff. Boy, that'll be a sporting event that'll be hard to beat. Hard to beat. Jack Nicklaus and the Masters in 1986 and an incredible leaderboard. Very similar. I get it's like I said, with Tiger in 19, you got Kepkin, Dustin Johnson sitting there on his heels. I threw out yesterday the 81 leaderboard. It wasn't as thrilling a finish as Tom Watson won by two over Nicholas and Miller, but the top ten, all major champions, won a total of 41. Wouldn't you love that, though? I mean, think about it. Let's say this year it's McElroy, Kepka, and Scheffler all at 10 under. Got a three-way playoff at 11, 12, and 13. That would be absolutely epic. Uh, Ryan Daniel, uh, I graduated high school with a friend that turns 10 today. Pretty cool. I'm with you. I like the college football playoffs at four. Would have preferred it to go to six or eight. Now they're already not satisfied with 12. Yeah, they're just going to wind up going to 16. It got too big too quick. And also just determining how the four were chosen. In essence, the four was a plus one. Not all conference championship games are created equal. That's the root of the problem. Uh, Ryan, also, I, too, think an amen corner playoff for the Masters would be epic. Thank you, Chucktown Red, our friend Ryan. By the way, if you get a chance, pop up to Columbia when the dogs are over there. The great David Johnston sends us a thumbs up. Uh, Let's see, where am I going, where am I going, where am I going? My thing just got clogged up here. My good friend Jay Deal from the ATL, but originally from the 912. Not necessarily Statesboro, but hope you like it, Georgia. Before they change the format to 10 and 18 and repeat, I always wanted a Masters playoff to go to number 12. Can you imagine? It would be the hardest shot in the history of golf. Amen to that. And remember, they were playing threesomes back in 2019 because of the weather and going off early. And of the last two groups, four of the six got wet. Little old golden bell. Remember Dan Jenkins wrote something and just the the heartbreak of Jordan Spieth's collapse when he seemed to have it in hand and was going to join that exclusive company of Jack Nicklaus, Nick Faldo, and Tiger Woods as back-to-back champions. And Dan Jenkins said, I have to sit here and remind myself that there are still five water holes left on the second nine at Augusta National. And he sure enough made a seven on little old number 12. How about that? Uh, I am all for the baseball runner on second, as we said. For basketball, I would like to see the fouls reset in terms of bonus for the teams. So, for instance, in, in college in the men's game, you get seven fouls, it's the one and one. You get ten, it's a double bonus. 
So I'd like to see it, as far as team fouls, go back to zero and maybe start shooting free throws again on the third foul. And I'd also like to see players get an extra foul in overtime. So if you've got four and five fouls, and we'll just talk college here, if you got four or five fouls out in college, you get into OT, you get another one. Now, it'd be a good debate as to whether you think if you fouled out in regulation, whether you should get to come back in. I don't necessarily think that should be the case. But if you do play that extra time, I think you should get an extra foul. And resetting the fouls, I think, would be a good idea. I like uh, what tennis, of course, the great John Isner, for as famous as a marathon match was, uh, that took a huge toll. So Wimbledon finally going to the breaker. I'd just like to see everybody do the breaker at six all across the board. Volleyball did a great thing when they went to rally scoring the whole time. Used to be you've heard side out. What a tremendous volleyball movie as well. You had to serve to be able to score. And for football, I'm not wild about the college overtime. They have trying to shorten it. You got to go for two. Now is it at the second possession? Then on the third, when it's just two point plays. I my initial thinking was, all right, you get the ball on the twenty five, maybe the second OT, you get it on the thirty. For the NFL, I, I do think both teams should be able to get the ball. You know, if the Niners. Oof, I'm still convinced they didn't know the rules, which, again, is a problem, and I understand that. It's a Super Bowl. I, I do. And you say, oh, how do they not have somebody who knows? I, I get it. It's moving fast. You know the rules in the regular season. If you get the ball and score a touchdown, it's over. If you kick a field goal, the other guy gets the ball. I think you have to have the rules the same in the postseason as you do in the regular season. I mean, the, the games need to be played the same. It is leap day. Just see if there was anything else we could think of, maybe. I guess we've covered everything. But I think above all else, a three-hole playoff at Augusta National on Amen Corner. Shoot us a tweet. Chris is at Chris Master Radio. Yours truly, at Jeff Dantzler TV. All right, let's run into a timeout, and we'll put a wrap on the day. Busy, busy weekend coming up in the world of sports. Got the Lady Dogs tonight against national champion LSU. What will Kim Mulkey be wearing? I'll be in a red and black pinstripe suit. Thanks for spending part of your Thursday with us. Thank you for spending your leap day with us here on the Superstations. I got some cat scratch fever. Little Ted Nugent. Uh, actually, I hate to correct you. That Did was I miss? Du- yep, that was uh, double vision. Double vision at Farner. Yep. A- am I completely insane, or was that not a similar riff to start? Yeah, I could, I could see okay. where. You Man, I'm, I'm slipping here. I missed a couple here over the last week or so. You now can hear it. Feel that with that double vision, Farner. All right. Good stuff. Chris always tries to fool me. All right, we are wrapping up the – I'm quite embarrassed now. We are wrapping up our program here today on Leap Day. Uh, Let's see. Gary Wise, 
Thank you, Gary. Jeff, would darkness be an issue on Sunday at the Masters, or would you play the three-hole playoff on Monday? Uh, you got to play it on Sunday. Nobody wants to be there on, on Monday, hotels, guys leaving, volunteers, patrons, everything. And that is a possibility because it is still April. Could they maybe tee off 30 minutes earlier just in case? And, of course, some of our famed playoff, Larry Mice chip in in 1987, uh, came on the second playoff hole. But, yeah, when the U.S. Open was the last to hang in there and do the Monday playoff, and it's just – it's a nightmare for everybody. The British used to do one. The Masters back in the day used to do one. I believe 79 when Fuzzy topped the great Watson and Sneed – Ed Sneed, not Sam – that that was the first Augusta sudden death, I think – I might be off on that, but I think that's right. But thank you there, Gary. I appreciate you. Appreciate all our tweets here today as we start to head towards a Friday. And some Georgia baseball tomorrow taking on Tech in a three-game series. And, again, I think this is going to be the last of three spots in three days. And I vote for that. Just got to find a way to take care of Children's Health Care of Atlanta, which, of course, we will uh, with the – uh, truly amazing plus-plus work that organization does and such great ties to Georgia and to Tech. But that's a lot of time on a bus when you're just talking about the travel of things. So I would not mind if we got back to the big league park to play one day or later in the year and just to have a three-game series, three games at Russ Chandler one year, three games at Foley Field the next. And I was talking to my buddy Wiley Ballard, who's a friend of the Superstations, a frequent guest of Bill Shanks. And Wiley said they're kind of thinking the same thing over there on the flats. All right. What's everybody got uh, the rest of the day? Anything exciting to enjoy this leap day? You should. I'll be calling the Lady Dogs tonight. So, please, uh, Chris, I know you're going to be up scoring the game with us as we're going to tip off at 9.02. And we'll have all the action for you right here on the Super Stage. So we've got some Lady Dogs here tonight. Got Georgia baseball this weekend. And that big league opening day is just around the corner. And Georgia baseball in a stretch of 11 games and 13 days. We'll have a whole bunch of them uh, with the great David Johnson and yours truly here on the Super Station. So that'll do it for us here today. Hope everybody has had a wonderful leap day and enjoyed the show. And uh, I always like the overtime talk, things like that. But I love that runner on second. Good strategy shot. My dad texted me and asked how that was scored. I don't think that goes down as an earned run. The relief pitcher didn't put him there. I don't know. I'll have to ask Bill about that one. I wish we did that in college. See you tomorrow before I head to the flats. Thank you, everybody. Have a magnificent rest of your leap day. Don't take it for granted, people. I'm Jeff Dantzler. Thanks for listening to the Superstation. Thank you.